Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been torn from its origins in space and time and put entirely at your disposal. Yeah, so a jump master. Well, Connor, what can I what's your best go? We talked about all this. I feel like I trained you up. You're basically Yeah, I just have an image of what a jump master is because you took me to that jump and the jump master. Let me is really let me ask this first. Am I not a jump ma master at this moment? No. No, you're not a jump master. Okay. Okay. Continue. Yep. Is that like uh Auntie M hates coffee but she loves tea? Wait, does she like Connor, but she hates Colin? You ever heard those? I'm not getting it right, but it's it's a uh, <laughs> conundrum or a riddle, and you have to. And it's like usually in a group setting, and then people start oh. to get the pattern, and like, oh, oh she hates streets, but she I, likes roads. I get it now. I did yeah. not. Okay, what's a jump master? <laughs> <laughs> jump master is a guy who makes sure that you're parachute is all good and you're good to go and Ooh. that uh first in last out hoorah yeah yeah, <laughs> That's what I, would say. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I if you hadn't ended with the hoorah i would have said wrong yeah wrong well hoorah um, covers a multitude of sins with the with the army i think that's true that and yeah. some eye, eye black or whatever face paint yeah it's like, that's like love in the Christian life. It's like, mm -hmm. it covers a multitude of sins. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so you have like your average everyday paratrooper that's airborne and they're jumpers. And those guys are a literal dime a dozen. They're a dime a dozen. Probably. Nothing special <laughs> Thanks, about dude. a paratrooper. That's <laughs> a regular that's not one. That's true. You're I'm a paratrooper. So that hurts actually. Um, <laughs> And a jump master will do so in order for all the jumpers to be safe and for like um, a, a proper jump exiting aircraft to be successful and to be safe. You have to have jump masters who go to jump master school, advanced airborne course, and they learn how to make sure everybody Duroids. else exits the aircraft safely. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that one of those things is true. <laughs> Um, and they, they are so jacked, dude. I don't know why, but these jump masters, they're all huge. So I am going to, yeah, we're, we're going to have to start lifting heavy. Um, and they always take off their blouses. And so they just have these like sleeveless, these sleeve t-shirts where usually your sleeves go all the way down to your wrists, but they they just walk around cause they're sweating profusely. Cause it's really tough to, they call it JMPI, um, which is the jump master, uh, proficiency inspection to make sure that your parachute doesn't have any snags that you're wearing it correctly and that you're rigged properly to make sure you get a safe exit and a safe landing so it's actually cool yeah my commander we were i was saying this before recording started but my commander told the formation today that i was going to jump master school hmm. without consulting me i i want to go but i just i'm not ready hmm. and so when we hang up i'm gonna have to study for like three straight days to when does it pass start? The actual course will start in November, but you have to have a white slip, which is a pretest in order to be entered into the course. And so you have to actually test in. 
and it's a massive amount of like nomenclature to know exactly every aspect of the parachute and be able to rig a ruck so that you can jump your combat equipment. And it's the understatement of the year to say, I'm not ready to go Mm -hmm. to this right now. I will, I will fail. Um, but the idea that a chaplain could be a jump master is like the coolest idea ever because right now as a chaplain and just a normal dime a dozen paratrooper. (laughs) (laughs) Again, I can't reiterate enough how unspecial that is. Yeah. How (laughs) basic that is. Um, I'll go to the jumps and I, I jump with them, but I'm basically just another jumper. And so I'll, I'll pray with people and I lead a prayer before we get on the aircraft. And, um, I think it's meaningful for people, but to be on doing something really dangerous and to have your chaplain there inspecting your parachute and then actually in the airplane, he's the last guy that you see before you exit the door would just be a really special place for, for a priest to be, for a chaplain to be. And so I I think there's no better place for me. It's just going to take a lot of work and effort and time and energy. And I haven't studied, (laughs) I haven't studied anything schooling wise since seminary, Hmm. which is, it's a long ways away. That's five years ago in my brain. So here's a question. Maybe this is a little inside baseball, not interesting for the cast, but it's interesting to me. It seems like people have their jobs whether it's be a priest or uh, be on this team that runs this huge gun or be in this sustainment brigade or whatever, the, all the different jobs that are in your 82nd Airborne Division. And then there's the the fact that you have to be able to jump out of planes and do the whole paratrooper thing as mm-hmm. like a, a layer on top or whatever. Um so is the jump master thing like being the ch- a chaplain that seems like you have a lot of duties like mm-hmm. that's a that's a big job mm-hmm. um and you're also help on the weekends for the whole garrison and all that stuff and then being a jump master that's not a full-time job that's just part of like okay when we jump this is my role in the jumping yeah it's not like okay i'm i'm part of the jump masters and we all hang out and that's our kind of like the guns people right. and the chaplain yeah. people yeah i see what you're saying yeah. No, is this that would be that's accurate. Yeah. This is not the way that you would say it in the army. This is not a specific MOS, mm. meaning this is not another job. Right. Like you have the chaplain corps, you have infantry, you have artillery, and you have jump masters. No. Mm-hmm. This would be in a You could be a cook duty. and a jump master. You could be a cook and a jump master. You could be a chaplain mm-hmm. and a jump master. Mm-hmm. So the way that the division commander will say it is that leaders lead from the front, and that means leaders are jump masters. And so if you're a leader in division, like first sergeant, which would be like one of your NCOs in charge of a, a battery or a company or a company commander or a battalion commander, you will not find one that's not a jump master. Mm. So the expectation is that all those who are leading their paratroopers are going to be at the exit door, the jump door, to make sure their people exit safely and then follow afterwards. First on, last First in, on. last out. Who? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Hooray. Yeah. which is a cool like so in a sense that's so once you get to be a jump master you can be um a master yeah a jump master then you you get 30 jumps you get a star over your wings 
Mm-hmm. And then 65 This is the Boy Scout thing. This is you start getting married. This is the Boy badges. Scout thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then you get a wreath around your star over your wings. Mm-hmm. And that's a senior rated jump master. When do you get and, start get a, a gold bracelet? No, no gold bracelets. <laughs> nope. No gold bracelets. Actually, most bracelets are for KIAs, so people that have lost mm-hmm. friends in combat. So I hope you feel bad. <laughs> I'm sorry. I feel bad <laughs> for you. Oh my gosh, that's awkward. He just, he just went, mm, smokes. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we reserve bracelets for other things, Connor. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but it's cool because the star, in a sense, is a symbol of a leader in the division. Hmm. And so you can see people. The, the army is all about that, like external signs of kind of like the internal reality type stuff flash yeah Mm -hmm. um now it can be misleading like there's always a problem to that that can fall that can follow on which is are we all about the flash or are we all about what's actually at the heart of the widening your your phylacteries and yes yeah whatever the other part is and what is that called tightening your tassels lengthening your tassels yeah yeah so it would be really cool i would love to do it i'm just woefully unprepared I'm pumped for you, dude. And you're pumped too. I can, t- I know you, you are. I'm super pumped, man. Yeah. yeah, I'm super pumped. I just got invited to do a couple of really cool things that, um, they're, they're specifically Catholic things, but because there are so few Catholics in, on post and in my division, I'm just the go-to guy. So mm-hmm. I get to do a lot of things that other chaplains wouldn't have the opportunity to not, not cause it's Mike, but because it's father, which is, is always a humbling reality yeah that's great i mean that's it's just such a cool image of you being the last guy on on the plane as they they jump Mm out it's a Mm -hmm. yeah it's very very priestly image yeah i guess centered on like being a leader but it's very cool what did you when we were down in um your neck of the woods rob we were talking some about leadership stuff well Help remind me what talking about like a leader versus a manager. Do you recall? You had oh, read a book. Oh yeah, or listened to a talk. Yeah, I read early in the summer. Read most of a book called <laughs> C- "Canoeing the Mountains." Yeah, that's right. And um, oh, I can't remember the distinction. It's a good distinction though, of leaders focus on what could be or should be. And I mean, in a sense, it's just like the whole like manage to maintain versus like actually drive a mission. That's mm-hmm. the, that's the difference between a leader and a manager. Yeah. Well, what have you guys felt in like legit leadership positions? Do you feel like, how, how have you been able to, I guess, do that, which would definitely mean shaping a culture. And now the, the cool thing about you guys is y'all are moving everybody towards holiness and, and that's like the mission, you know, to sanctify our people, to bring them to mm-hmm. heaven, um, which is a cool mission to lead people towards. But like, what's your been your experience with, with specifically leadership? Because y'all really are in positions that you've been given authority to lead. Yeah, I mean, I Gosh, don't know how yeah. perfectly I do it, but I, I've always liked, and somebody told me, a friend, uh, who as far as like, especially organizational leadership look up to a lot, but, um, 
just had this simple breakdown. And so this is how I always try to think about stuff is like vision, accountability, no vision, alignment, accountability, Hmm. like in that order. So like a leader does, you're responsible for like the vision of an organization or a place growing, growing in holiness. Um, And then in the very like local circumstances then that you're in, of what falls under your responsibility. And so there's a vision aspect to it, but then the, like the hard work after that is alignment where you're trying to get, um, yeah, both the right people in the right positions and, um, but also in a way that the vision is so clear that like the accountability that you hold Hmm. is what people are holding themselves to not that you're holding them to. Mm-hmm. And so if you can do those, um, that's, that's always it seems like when things are like really, really healthy to me. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's like, I'm, uh, I'm kind of in awe right now of this is going to sound so self aggrandizing, but what I've built, this is year six now. And it's the first day of school and like core coffee. We doubled our sales last year. And today we had a, we had double what we had last year on a day. Um, wow. I just got that text. Um, yeah. Um, not that numbers is everything, but just, uh, we had a student leader retreat a couple of days before or last, last week, uh, before school starts this week maturity of the students and the and the kind of like aim small miss small f- focus of the, the formation we are giving them which is the result of a lot of our own um maturation as a team in terms of like being pretty indifferent and disinterested about like where we want to go or what we like but really like focused on the other the 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 students themselves and what's needed and, and then praying together and growing together and like being able to let go of expectations and just, uh, I mean, a lot of what we talked about in the retreat was like human formation stuff, conflict resolution with your friends and, um, time management or living an ordered life. I talked a lot about inner healing, um, just vulnerability and where we're, where we're leading people, um, feels to me like just, uh, very healthy. And also like I could leave tomorrow and it would keep going. That's, that's what's so astonishing to me. Um, and I know that that's even like the St. Joseph statue, I sent you guys the, the image we're, you know, finishing, I unveiled that, that morning I gave my talk at the retreat on healing. I, I was like, well, I've also been praying about this image and this is what it means. The St. Joseph with Jesus asleep on his heart with the world in his lap. And i saw, I saw it at a church when I was hearing confessions like a year ago. And I was going to originally put John Paul II in that niche that's empty in the chapel. And yeah, I just had been praying about it and the Holy family just seems so close and like it 
like they could help us in a lot of ways that young people in general need today. But I just feel our community, even like there was a group of students that did a St. Joseph consecration of their own volition with no focus missionaries or staff um, leading it. It was just all student led and it had its own group me and like met every week and read this book and prayed together. And I was like, okay, that's something. And, um, we, the superscript over that niche is Nolite Timere, be not afraid, Mm -hmm. which is a John Paul II line. And it's in Barron's chapel up at Mundelein, the John Paul II chapel. And that was kind of where I was getting Mary on the left, JP2 on the right kind of model in my head. But when I saw that image of Jesus peacefully sleeping with the whole world in his lap, on the father's heart and Joseph, I just thought that's be not afraid. And that's where security mm-hmm. Bob Schutz's book, we're, we're going to read be healed with the men and the women in separate groups and, and do kind of like men's and women's weekends. It's kind of around that, just kind of seeing where that goes. Um, but he has the analogy of the tree with the roots being your security in your identity, your uh, trunk being your maturity in your identity. And then, the fruits and the leaves being purity in your identity, you know, like the mm-hmm. fruits of, of your, your security and your maturity is like living a, living a life of good fruit um, versus the wounded thing is like ungodly self-reliance builds this like deadly sin trunk and this rotten fruit mm-hmm. comes out the sins of the flesh. Um, so you need to live in that security, which is just learned over time. And, that's honestly a pretty good analogy for a team. I think like when your team feels secure enough to uh, have conflict and get through it and maybe not even like each other sometimes and, and yet still be willing to move closer and become more vulnerable and intimate because it is, it's, it's an intimate thing being on a team. You spend a lot of time with the people you work with. I've realized that, um, I live with one of them, you know, like it's, uh, it's kind of your whole life, especially as a priest. But I think what I feel most free about and what, what helps me as a leader is that I feel like Jesus is my ultimate horizon. That's whatever comes next. He will be there. And my time at Newman has been a growth and maturity and security myself in that relationship. IPF has helped me a lot. Um, a lot of just inner work, but yeah, it's, it's kind of beautiful to just contemplate it. Like, wow, I am very grateful. Yeah. And I like the image people. of the, the tree as well, which it, it kind of harkens back to one of the images of the kingdom that, that you proposed a long, long time ago, which is that, that it is like a garden and it, it just kind of grows. And just making sure that the garden gets what it needs. It's going to grow on its own, but depending on how healthily it grows, is kind of the management of the gardener. Okay. And yeah, seeing leadership kind of in that same vegetative light is uh, like that tree's going to grow. And I'll, I just want to make sure that the roots are well planted and that it, this is a mature tree and that then it'll just bear good fruit. Not because anything that I'm doing, but... Uh, I think it fits well. Very biblical. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like Jesus said that one time. And yeah, and that's there. what I, I think when I hear manager, I think micromanager, and maybe that's unfair, but it's like this 
manage like i'm on you you know i'm like using carrots or sticks whatever they are to get you to do what the company or the the organization mm-hmm. needs you to do because you're a part of a bigger whole whereas yeah. leadership my experience of it has been when i've been feeling good as a leader has been like that more garden spontaneity like there's seeds here and there's things growing that i don't understand and sometimes things go wrong and sometimes that's because i'm doing something wrong but i can learn from that or sometimes it's just because certain things don't work you know and you have a bad crop some years and um yeah there's more it's almost like chastity like a certain spiritual distance from the people you're leading you're like Hmm. more able to let them be themselves and not control them Hmm. or possess or need them but rather like this is what we're doing you know i feel much more content to just be like this is this is what the culture here is and that's in large part because of, of the people here um some of which i've cultivated myself or people i've chosen and hired and brought in or just focus you know like okay focus is part of the culture here i want i want missionaries i want five missionaries every year and there's a certain guarantee of like they pray a holy hour every day they go to mass every day they have certain formation and training and over time that just builds up you know the things that are celebrated the things that are tolerated the things that are are not tolerated um right yeah and pretty soon you have a garden and there's things springing up and you're like wow this is, i didn't control this i didn't manage it i just but i am responsible ultimately mm-hmm. um from every for everything from like hiring people and preaching the homilies and casting the vision uh raising the money to clearing the sewer and making sure the fridge works and all that stuff um which is very life-giving even if it's sometimes a lot to bite off yeah rob do you have anything because i i do have a thought that i want to share no go ahead that was awesome yeah, absolutely. It you know the I, I like your three things. It's vision, alignment, and then accountability. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it seems like it's cool because those things I think in really good leaders um, become descriptive and not pre- prescriptive, where you're prescribing these things. You're like, as a leader, you're not trying to teach or coach people or manage them into a type of a vision and then to manage them into alignment and then dictate that there must be accountability, but that like it, it very much flows with the, that tree idea that organic, the kingdom of God is that if, if you're in communion with the father, then you have his vision. That's like wisdom. You have the divine perspective, which is Christ is the horizon that you look to. And so communion creates proper vision and then communion with your people creates alignment or like the army term would be shared understanding. And so that you're not just working together as teammates, but you're actually living together in, in communion, which flows from the communion with the father. And then naturally accountability comes from there. There's certain expectations. Like we all know that we're going to live this life of discipleship and we're going to do a holy hour every day. We're going to go to mass every day and, certain things are encouraged and certain things are discouraged. So there's, there's natural accountability that's built into that, but that's all that can all flow organically. And I think that the frustrating thing about like (laughs) the self-improvement 
leadership seminar thing is it becomes prescriptive. If you want to be a leader, make sure that these three things you're, you're hitting on these three, three things, have a vision, make it happen, get your people aligned, get them on the same page, and then make sure that they're held accountable. And I think if you're, if you're prescribing that instead of describing that present in a, in an organization, like there's a lack of communion that's taking place, Hmm. which is, it's a very Christian principle. Like that's, that's all Jesus and the Trinity. It's all communion and, um, living in relationship. Um, so I, I, I like that. I think those two things are actually deeply aligned. Whoa. Did it. You did it. What were you thinking on? I mean, from your experience. Well, mine is unique because it's, I'm not a leader of an organization. I'm a leader in an organization, but I work for somebody who's actually has a different mission. Who, My mission is a subset within the mission. That's not in the best way to say it. I have a broader <coughs> mission than the mission of my organization, which is... It's a challenge, but it's kind of a fun challenge. It's kind of cool. Um, and so uh, an extra layer to my task as being a leader is knowing what my organization's mission is. And ultimately, as long as it's not Im- an immoral mission, I can learn it and then integrate the growth of holiness and the development of people in the vision of God into the mission of my battalion. And so like, I really, I want to help my people to become fully who they were created to be, which is actually not in competition with our battalion's greater mission. And so just kill bad guys, just kill bad guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what we're about. That's it. That's it. And that's all. And so, um, yeah, the, the best way that I've just, des- I can describe it and that has helped me to think about it is, um, like I'm a missionary and some of like the North American martyrs, some of these Jesuit missionaries or missionaries out to Japan that their first job when they showed up was not to preach and teach the gospel, but it was to become integrated into this other culture, but not alone. And they had Mm -hmm. to learn the language and they had to spend time in the field working with their people and being a part of this new culture and then from the inside, which is also very organic, they're now a part of the DNA of this community. And they begin to like vivify and shape the broader mission of the organization, of the culture, of the community. So it's hard because it's like, I can't look back and say like, wow, look at this, look at this parish or look at this, um, look at my battalion. They're all we got all this saintly stuff going on. I, occasionally it happens, um, but it's much more subtle and hidden because it's like leaven that a woman needs into uh, want to give <laughs> dough or like a mustard seed almost. I don't know. I'm not really a fan of those. Those analogies. <laughs> those analogies. Yeah. I, I could probably come up with some better parables than that, but mm-hmm. it's like okay. a Tide Pod. It's like a Tide Pod in a washing machine. It is small, but it makes a big difference. Yeah. And you eat, it's like one, one for the, you know, one for the washing machine, one for me. Mm -hmm. You just give it a little. (laughs) Like a Twix. Yeah. One for you, one for me. (laughs) Um, But I do love, 
So I think a big part of my mission is to uh, form and advise to be in communion with leaders who make decisions that shape the organization because I have no command authority. I have no command power. Um, I, I just want to love my leaders well with the love of Christ. And then it actually changes them and then we'll start to change the organization um, in this direction of Jesus. And I have of, seen, uh, mm-hmm. sorry, are you going to right. say another parable? No, <laughs> I was say, it reminds me of a Cardinal George quote on what you're describing about the enculturation and even the, um, the Jesuit missionaries and their assimilation prior to preaching the gospel. He said something like saints are the people who keep the world from becoming hell hmm. or something kind of dramatic like that, uh, hmm. that if it weren't for the saints, the world, I think of the secular world without any transcendent values as the ant farm, like this closed system where you're just digging to nowhere until you die and then you get thrown in the garbage. Um, if there's no world outside the ant farm that we have access to and that we're going to, and that even is coming to us, then there's this relationship between heaven and earth, divinity, humanity, the spirit and matter. Um, then it's all just pointless and but then you, you have these figures like St. Francis in his day that, I mean, that was a, a religious age, but nevertheless, like here was this guy, he, he was like an epiphany. He just carried heaven with him wherever he went. Um, mm-hmm. And I can't remember who said it, but it wasn't like, we don't need another St. Francis. We need a St. Michael Metz, you know? Um, you said that, Rob, didn't you? We don't need a John Paul II. We need... I've. That sounds like... That sounds like me. Yeah. <laughs> but the Thank point you, is Mike. like it, it, uh, and this gets to the other point I was thinking of as you were talking about your leadership stuff and all of what we're talking about. Uh, it's this insight from a healing the child within by Charles Whitfield. He talks about transformation being when you start living your life, not as a project about getting somewhere, and instead an expression of your being, of who you are. So your life is just a moment-by-moment expression of your identity. Um, No matter what you're doing, where you are, how old you are, it's just, it's not this like, I'll be who I'm supposed to be or who I'm aiming to be once I become a jump master, you know, get this level of discipline or the holiness or whatever. Uh, And that I think that sort of way of living for a leader is very powerful because um, let's just say in your, in your setting with the army, people are moving towards goals. Same thing in a university. They're trying to get a degree and they're, and most of, most of us live most of the time as like, if we're going somewhere, not as if we're arrived and that we are whole people expressing ourselves, you know, that's kind of the way a children, a child lives. They don't think about tomorrow. They're just, okay, I'm playing, I'm at the beach today, I'm at school, I'm coloring, I'm doing, you know, and they're just doing things because they like them and they come naturally to them. And then they, then we kind of realize like, oh man, I've got a plan for tomorrow. And that's good. Like becoming an adult that's responsible is good, but we then stop being ourselves. And then we start to live 
other people's lives, you know, because we're restless and we're like, ah, who am I? I'm just like living this false self, trying not to get punished, trying to make sure that people like me, that I have what I need to be okay. Um, and that's how people end up in jobs they hate, micromanaging people, you know, thinking that like, if I just get this thing built or this thing done or um, get to this status, then I'll, I'll quiet this, this ache. Um, yeah, but the truth is that we are... Well, Go ahead. Okay, I just say a little bit more because that's, I don't know, the, I think I understand what you're saying, which I agree with, but, and I probably didn't hear it like exactly correctly, but to kind of, it, it sounds, that rings a little bit of like kind of live in the moment, like with almost like without a telos or something that you're going for, uh-huh. um, which I don't know, like, I, I don't know that I like find that attractive honestly and i said maybe i should well i think i don't think a child lives without a telos i think it's just the the telos is natural it's spontaneous it's you know like i was the kind of kid who would like um build a thing or create you know create i was like even in my teenage years into music and i still do this like creating something that's when i feel most naturally alive and that's mm. kind of the way that i've led the newman center for this these years is is like creating things and almost to a, i think a fault um instead of just like basking in the being like really being with people um sometimes i'm, I'm like too focused on the projects mm. and getting things done and outcomes and like pretty works of art and stuff like that and those have value but they also it's like the point of it is None of these things are going to be here when Jesus comes back. It's, it's the souls. Uh, but anyways, my point is that there's a directedness in our natural living in the moment. It's not a directionless, mm. just idle play. Um, I think when, when you're too results oriented, or the, the thing I'm trying to distinguish between is, is this like over-directed, you know, when you're in a meeting and somebody's like trying to get something done and you're like, nobody cares about this. Not, this is literally not important. Why are we talking about this for so long? We should just all go do something else or not even be on a team together. Um, but you, it's so easy to lose the initiative. And we've all experienced this in church work. It's like mission drift. You're like, why are we spending all of this time planning this carnival right now to raise money for this church that like you know, why are we here? You know? Um, and I, so I think that's, the, those are the questions of like, yeah, why are we here? And the, the point about descriptive versus prescriptive, it's like, w- we are who we are, you know, God has put these people together, put this, us in this place. And there is a way that we are naturally, but we tend to do the unnatural thing, which is sin and comparison and, um, dissimulation instead of authenticity and okay so i get it it's like it is a little bit just be yourself man and directionless but i don't know for me it's a helpful corrective because i can get so caught up Mm -hmm. in the false self and like i'm not doing a good enough job if i'm not doing it this way or like i'll read a james mallon book and, and think like okay you're supposed to put screens in the church and, but I don't like that. And you know, um, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? Like if I'm just always trying to 
get vision alignment accountability and like all the projects and stuff instead of like what actually makes me come alive and why do i want to be a priest and what's beautiful about this place and how can i make it grow um that's all i'm saying i like it it's like yeah. isn't that another simpsons quote moby dick it's about be it's yourself. About yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I think. <laughs> um, Dag Nabbit. That was good. We've been hitting The Simpsons a lot lately. Yeah. And I really feel excluded. I'm going to be honest, guys. I don't know any of the Sim- No more Simpsons jokes. Got it. No more. Because okay? they make you uncomfortable. Yeah. Please. Okay. If you cared about me, you wouldn't. Share Homer's hilariousness. <laughs> um, no, it, it's um, well. One, I'm glad that you came back to the descriptive and prescriptive thing because I feel like that was dynamite, and mm-hmm. like nobody. That's really probably the number even, one insight of this whole sesh for sure. So I'm glad that we were able to rehit that. So, um, but I I think the yeah polish that gold, dude. Say more about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gild that um, lily. Killed that lily. Um, the well, I thought a lot about this regarding um, C.S. Lewis's insight with the screw tape letters. That Rob, I remember you brought it up, and it, it's always kind of been a poignant um, realization for me that um, the evil one wants us to live in the future or the past, just not the present, because that's the the present is our connection with eternal life who is the eternal present and so like he says the really beautiful line the present is the place where like infinite love finds its rays of glory like that's where it really shines through it but but jesus he he's the solution to what would other be otherwise be like a contradictory um a, a contradictory understanding of um either memory work or future planning is because Christ is the alpha and the omega. If you live with Jesus in the present, then you can actually traverse in grace, both what was and then what will be. But that doesn't mean as you plan, again, I've, I've found this to 100% be true. If I'm anxious about something, so I have this like really big funeral that I got invited to. They asked me to do it and I'm like, <laughs> kind of freaking out about it because it's just going to be such a huge deal mm-hmm. and I'm going to have to plan a ton for it. But there's a difference between me looking to the future from the present and me giving my heart to a future that doesn't exist yet. Mm-hmm. But actually like if you do the vision alignment accountability thing that begins with relationship and communion with God, he provides insight from the present where you can actually look back in your past and then you can allow the Lord to heal memories and you can actually look to the future and allow Christ to portray a vision mm-hmm. that lights up your heart, lights up your eyes to see like, Oh, this is where the light's po- pointing. This is where Jesus is. Mm. And so he is the telos, but he's also the creator and he's also the present. And so in Christ, I think what would otherwise be a, a contradiction becomes a paradox. And so actually from the present, you can traverse your time and space with Jesus, because there is no time and space with, with Jesus. He, it just is. And so I think he's the solution to that. But but it goes back to that organic communion and relationship. 
so that then you can plan and like build great things with the vision of Christ and heal deep wounds like with the vision of Christ. So I, I don't think they're in in opposition to each other. Where if Jesus didn't exist, it would be the ant farm thing, and that would be impossible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All you would do is live in the present. What am I doing? I'm just digging. Just be yourself, dude. Just dig. That's dig, why dig. it's like the, you watch these movies about the Soviet Union, and they're like all in these five-year plans, and you know, like it's okay to die for the cause because it's all about future generations enjoying this worker's paradise. And you're like, how did anybody mm. get into that? It's so and just why it crumbled from the inside and everybody had to be surveilling each other to make sure that they weren't actually speaking their mind because human beings can't live like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like when people think you trust them, uh, because you really believe in a, the power of the persuasive power of the truth that you're actually trying to aim at and their heart's own, ability to recognize that truth and move towards it. You know, they might need some encouragement, maybe even a little bit of discipline, but, um, you don't have to, you don't have to whip. (laughs) This is a Simpsons quote, Homer, when he's a sled dog guy, he's whipping the, he's whipping the dogs. He's going mush, mush, mush. And then they're all resting and he goes, rest, rest, rest. (laughs) And then the dogs like eventually run away and he goes, why does everything I whip run away from me? (laughs) <laughs> but that's like, like the joke that's what i think of as like a leader who's just ma- managing people to death as you're just why does everything i whip run away from me um yeah. nobody wants to act like you they're not actually good and want to do what's best for the mission um you know in some ways it's like if you expect it of people if you just make it the thing that's normal it happens um Yeah, no, that's good. I, I like the, I mean, the, you had mentioned too, uh, one of the things that struck me most about your story, Bisque, was, um, this is from a while ago, but uh, when you're talking, the, just the fact that you really feel like if you left tomorrow, like that culture would remain. Mm-hmm. Like that was the most striking thing as, as you talked of, because that, yeah, I, and I don't know like what words to put on that, but I, I think that's a really good constant check. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I've heard it like the phrase of "there is no ind- indispensable man." Yeah, you know, and that's actually the that that's the mark of like a really, really good leader is that it's um, it's never about him or her. Hmm. I heard it's the cemetery is full of indispensable people like it well mike you got to go become a jump master or something mm-hmm. can we call you maestro once you're the jump master <laughs> maestro yeah thank you maestro mike thank you <laughs> thank you mike <laughs> thank you mike dude great moment <laughs> it's just so joyful dude yeah all right okay cool, you wanna, guys you want to get another one on the calendar while we're still on the air just so People can see what that looks like. Yeah, get a little look behind uh, look be under the hood here. I don't know, guys. Is this a good idea? <laughs> no, I'm gonna hit stop. Follow Free Dogs North on Instagram. Are you ready? Okay. Mm-hmm.
three dogs north are Juice, Seabisk, and Michael Metz. Conversations have been edited to sound smarter. Audio and transcripts of this episode are exclusive property of Mundelein Seminary and may not be rebroadcast without the express written consent of Major League Baseball. Good girl.